0: You can all have a seat. Thank you, Bets. Thank you, worship team. Oh, Father, we, and you are holy indeed, a, a fountain of holiness. And we praise you and thank you. So, Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight my rock and my redeemer amen amen if you all would like to continue this spirit of worship tonight at six o'clock here we're having a night of worship and prayer Um, so come on out and we'll see what the lord is up to over the last bunch of weeks i have been hitting hard this idea of um of maturing and growing, and, and um, we kind of looked at Genesis 1, verses 28 to 31, about uh, that, that we are called to uh, take dominion of the world, meaning we get to rule. It, it's kind of, we rule uh, in the context of introducing and proclaiming and building the kingdom of God here on earth. And so it, it really is important for us to understand who we are in Christ because unless we fully grasp that and understand it and move forward in it, we are going to we're not going to make a difference. We're not going to be who God has called us to be. And so I'm going to continue kind of kind of uh, moving in this direction. Uh, Cause it's good for me too to remind myself of who I am, and if I need that remi- uh, reminder, I'm sure you guys need the reminder too, that that we are here for a very specific reason. Now, now let me give you a, um let me give you a little. This is Mark chapter 16, and it says this, and these signs will accompany those who believe. in in my name they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. This is just kind of a a snapshot, one, um, just some of the areas that, this is what kind of dominion looks like. This is what it looks like when we, the church, move in the authority that has been given to us. Now, so so we, I, I know the whole pickup serpent thing, it's been a little uh, misconstrued and pushed, but it worked well for Paul when he was on the island of Malta and he got bit by that snake. And so this is kind of, this is what it looks like. We will cast out demons. Yes, the demonic is still alive and well in the world today. We will put our hands on the sick and they will be healed. Oh my goodness, that means that we have been given power, authority to cast out sickness to take to operate in the physical I'm sorry in the spiritual so it manifests itself in the physical we we can do that that's what dominion looks like that's about that's what it looks like to understand who we are now as I was thinking through all this uh, last week I came I don't know if I, I got the idea from the Lord or just my own idea but the the strength of darkness the strength of darkness is directly proportional to the weakness of the church the strength of darkness is proportional to the weakness of the church and I know that we the church we like to just kind of go look at it out there Oh what a mess. Oh, people are crazy. Oh, oh. And, and, and I and I think sometimes God sits on his throne and he goes, What are you guys doing down there? We've been we've been called. We have purpose. We have strength. Spiritual strength. Even physical strength. Now, in case you're unsure, Jesus would say this in Matthew, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Okay, so that line right there should put your mind to rest, that darkness doesn't win, light wins, God wins, that's how it works out. So don't worry about it, us losing overall, We might not lose the war, but sometimes it feels the church is losing a lot of battles. And I digress. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, in the Jewish tradition, when somebody's handed the keys, it means that all authority, full authority, has been given to that person. They can unlock and lock the doors. That's It's kind of in, in, in a nutshell. We, church, us, you and I have been given all authority to operate as God's mouthpiece here on earth. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That's a big statement, and sometimes I don't think we we fully grasp of, of what God is saying. He's saying, okay, you have been given the authority, yes, you have been given the authority to forbid darkness from operating here on earth. We have been given the authority to let loose the light of the kingdom here on earth this is this is who we are this is who you are and so to think for a moment that you are powerless to to push back in this culture war we're experiencing right now is is nonsense you have the authority god-given authority you can bind and you can you can loose. and so when we bind we confront darkness and we tell it you have no place here go that's that's we we can do that we can bind demonic activity we can bind darkness we can bind sickness we can we we have that authority and then we also have the authority to loose that we can let loose the kingdom of heaven here on earth this is the authority that we have this is the power that you have. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. It doesn't matter how many scripture verses you've memorized. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit, and he does not operate on what you know, how you do, how you can handle it. He operates on his own, uh, his own wavelength, his own criteria, and he loves you. And that's why we have been instilled with the strength, the authority, the power to tell darkness, no. And it's as simple as that. No. You don't have to make all this hoopla and try to, get, uh, try to get overexcited and emotional. You can just speak to darkness and say no. You can speak to the demonic and say leave. Be cast out. It's just, it really is as simple as that. But we have to get this and understand it in in our own in our own minds. It, it, what I find interesting is in, in Genesis chapter one, verses twenty eight to thirty one. That that whole thing where I, I might have to write a book on that because I need retirement somehow. But anyway, so um, God says to subdue creation. And I said that that word was a, it's a really violent word. It's really to take the bull by the horns and kind of smash its face into the dirt. I mean, subdue is a powerful, violent word. And what I find interesting is God tells us that to subdue this earth before the fall. This is Genesis 1. The fall doesn't come to Genesis 3. And so that there is this instance, there is that that, that creation wasn't going to go quietly from the beginning. We were called to have dominion and to subdue. There are these things that we in Christian world call strongholds. And strongholds can be both good and bad. Uh, The scripture, especially in the Psalms, you will see the writers. Um, the, the, that God is is our stronghold in times of trouble he is he is this 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 uh, anchor there, there's strength there he cannot be moved the wind and the waves and whatever is is not going to budge God. but on the flip side of that there are strongholds in our lives that have to do with with sin where something has got you. Something has got you, and it won't let you go. So this goes beyond just the casual, you get angry with somebody driving in front of you, and you flip them the Italian peace sign, or, you know, whatever whatever it is. This is, this is, um, this has got you by the spirit. It's got you by the soul. It's that thing that you just can't, as much as you want to, you just can't. Shake it, but even then, Paul would write this For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We have been, God bless you, given the tools, sacred, God sized tools, to. Destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when our obedience is complete. We have these weapons to fight strongholds, to fight darkness. We have been giving them. All of us have them. They include truth, righteousness the righteousness of Christ not our own faith god's word prayer peace community thanksgiving you have as a weapon in your arsenal the assurance of your salvation that means that you can't sin your way out of this as much as some theological um constructs like to say god is not going to let you slip through his fingers now i believe that you can walk away from the lord denounce him but you're not going to do something so bad that god can't forgive you because of the righteousness of christ and so our salvation it's assured and so we start to we start to uh take those those tools those weapons and we start to 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 break down arguments that say well there 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 is no god well how can there be a god a good god if all this is happening And, and all of the things that people try to poke holes through we have the response we have the weapons we've been given them to wield accordingly Now, some of these strongholds, these these patterns of sin, many of us were were freed from them when we became Christian, when we gave our life to Christ. Like there's there's so many amazing stories of how God just heals sin patterns of life. Addictions just 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 go away once the Holy Spirit comes in. And and, and it's a it's a beautiful thing to see and to watch. But then there's those strongholds that are a little bit stronger and they hold on to us and they seem not to let us go. And no matter how much we try in our in our own flesh, in our own mind to, to stop it and we think we've overcome it, but this thing keeps rearing its ugly head, poking back in. We call that a stronghold because it won't let you go. And so we have this thing in the Christian faith called deliverance. And so deliverance will deliver us from those strongholds. There's many different ways, There's, there are different things to do it, but it really is. It's focusing on the power of the Holy Spirit to then push against and break the chains of those strongholds and the demonic. That's the business of the Holy Spirit. That's the business. And, and, and so, so there, and there's also, what I want to talk about this morning are some principles of maintaining our deliverance from those strongholds, because these are important. Remember the story of Jesus when, when uh, the, he casts out the demon, and, and it says that this demon went out of the house, went around he found the house was clean put back in order and then he comes back in with even more demons so we have to be careful there's a there's a maintenance program for us to live in victory to remain in victory victory is something that we need to constantly be aligning ourselves with engaging um praying through and about, and I'm hoping, I'm praying that these principles that I'm going to give you this morning will help us to maintain and walk in that victory. Because a victorious church is a church that makes a difference out in the world. A victorious church spreads the love of God and the light of Christ. A victorious church is ones that the one that can stand against this culture and just say, with the love of God, no. No. It's not okay Paul would say it this way he he said so I don't run aimlessly I do not box as one beating the air you know that that verse reminds you ever see uh, Sanford and Son when when Fred he would like fight you'd be like never mind you're all too young But I discipline my body, keeping it under control. Least after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul said, I have to pay attention to this. I need to do the personal work to maintain the victory that I have in Christ. Least I be disqualified. Least my preaching doesn't measure up to the way I'm living my life. That's called hypocrisy. It's an ugly thing in the church, and it's w- it's one of the things that out there likes to bring up and point to within the church, that we're hypocrites because we don't live what we preach. Now, I don't believe hypocrisy is absent in all of the other faiths, but it seems to be only the Christian that's a hypocrite. I believe that's because we have the truth. So you can't be a hypocrite if I worship M&M's and then one day you find me eating them you just think I'm crazy see hypocrisy comes when you have the truth and you live counter to it so let's get into these principles the first one I'm gonna I'm gonna preach this until the well let's let's look at this 1 Peter, it says this, be sober-minded. That means be clear in your thought. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a warring lion, seeking someone to devour. There are an entire spiritual army that is looking for your destruction. And if he cannot take your eternal life he will ruin the abundant life that Jesus came and offered. If he can't have you for eternity, he is going to try to suck the life out of you here today. And so this idea of of principles so that we can continue to walk in victory, continue to walk in our deliverance, the first principle that I would have to come down on is we need each other. It's the concept of community. It's about church. We need to gather together. That You cannot, you will not mature into all that God has for you without attending church. You just won't. Your spiritual health is directly proportional to, in part, your attendance, your being involved within community. Step outside of that. And I'm not saying you lose your salvation or you're a a worse or a bad Christian, but you will not live into all that God has for you. We need to get to know each other and we need to let ourselves be known by others. There There are two areas where I believe that weakness kind of festered itself within the context of community, that, that people don't like to come under leadership and people don't like to come with, into the context of being in, in community. But Paul would write this, said, and he gave apostles and prophets, evangelists, the shepherds and the teachers. This is for the building up of the saints to go out and do the ministry. See, my ministry is to build you up so that you can go minister. It's not all about me. In fact, none of it is about me. None of it is about the pastor. It's about the church understanding who they are and coming under the context of this, these kinds of leaderships, apostolic, prophetic, evangelist, shepherds, which is, is another word for pastor, and teachers. We need to put ourselves under um, under these authority authorities to, to grow to spiritually mature and then the the hebrews verse let us consider how to stir one of the, one another up to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near not neglecting the meeting church attendance is at an all-time low in our country right now. Barna has said that at least 50% of the people who attended before the pandemic will not return for one reason or another. How in the world can we stir one another up to love and good works if we're not together? How do we hug each other if we're not together? How do we cry on each other's shoulders? How do we offer a shoulder to cry on if we're not together? I had a conversation with someone this past week, and I and, um, haven't been to church in a long, long time. And uh, they said they were, doing, they were doing really good spiritually. And I said, no, you're not. Because that's a lie of the enemy. You might be doing okay, but if you're you're taking components that God has said are important out of your spiritual life, you are not in the the health that you could be by obe- uh, being obedient to the Word of God. We need each other. We have to come together in this in this. Uh, In this corporate communal gathering, smaller gatherings, friendships, we need each other. And this landing point on Sunday mornings, as is in our culture, is just as important as every other part of our Christian walk. Every other part. I put out a challenge once. um, This goes back a few years ago. And I said, you know, um, this doesn't happen to me often because... I'm the pastor, but how many times did you get a phone call or a text message on a Saturday night saying, hey, this is happening Sunday, and you just decide, well, we won't go to church because this sounds really good, or that sounds really good, or we're going to go do this instead? And I, and I laid it out there. I said, how many of us have ever got that phone call, that text message, that email, and said, uh, you know, I, I can't make it because I'm going to church? People have company come over and they stay, and, and you know, I, we can't go to church because we have company. Why not be an example to your company and go to church? Bring them. There's a real spiritual battle taking place, and it's in church attendance because Christians do believe that this, you don't need it. That's, you know, who needs to go to I pray God says you need it, not me. Principle number one is to stay connected to the community. Principle number two, I think, is don't go back to the very thing that put you in bondage in the first place. Stay free in your freedom. Don't go back. What's it say? Uh, A dog returns to its vomit. My dog eats its poop. Okay, that's even worse. Right? Try to get a kiss from your dog after that. Once free, we are to stay free. Hebrews chapter 12, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Those things that are that are trying to grab a hold of us again, we have to throw those things aside and say, no, no I am not going to allow myself to be tempted in that direction. I'm not going to allowed myself to be pulled in that direction. I'm going to stand firm in It is for freedom the sake of freedom is the reason why i have been set free ephesians says that i have been given freedom for freedom's sake so i can walk without the weight of sin crushing me down whether it be uh, crushing me physically emotionally spiritually stay away from that junk that you've been set free from and then oh i'm sorry it's right there do not be deceived, bad company ruins good morals. This, this is a hard one, because sometimes we have to make the decision to end relationships, friendships. When I came to Christ way back in, before cell phones, um, I had a lot of really good, good friends. We would do anything for each other. There were the type of friendships where, like, you can just walk into their house, go to the refrigerator, get something to drink, and plop down on the couch and steal the remote without even saying anything. Just, just popping in. Those are the kinds of friendships. And when God got a hold of me, I realized that He was He was healing me and separating me from some garbage. And unfortunately, um, those friends just kind of partook in those garbagey things. It was one of the hardest things I had to do to just slowly begin to distance myself from people that I, I, I grew up with, spent years with. But bad company is a weight. You have to be strong in order to influence what used to hold you in bondage. You have to be strengthened before you can, if if it was alcohol that God freed you from, don't think that you become a Christian and now you can go back into the bar and not drink. You have to be strong and strengthened for such a thing. And so sometimes we have to put an end to relationships to maintain the freedom that God has given us. And, and, And the beauty of it is that after the strength came to me, I was able then to reignite some of these friendships. And we still laugh and talk and we're invited to, you know, picnics and things like that every once in a while. I've done many weddings and funerals for those friends. They call me because I'm the pastor. Yes, they still try to get me to swear, but, um, you know, that's the big running joke. These people knew me when. These people knew me when, well, let's just say if they came to church, I would escort them back out. Sometimes we have to break those relationships that are endangering our freedom. And so we have community. We have staying away from the things that entrapped us in the first place. And next it is, it's the the word of God has to be a priority in our lives. The word of God has to be a priority. That means that you are willing and able and excited and passionate about picking up that book every day and not only just reading it meditating on it not only just meditating on it there, there are so many bible study uh, programs and software and websites that you can use to study to look at words and see what words mean to look at ideas and concepts to understand um the, the the context of the the history of when and where certain things were written it will um it will increase not only your knowledge of the things of god and who he is but it will also give you the the uh what's the word I'm for? the the weapons the bigger guns to refute the lies the word of god i can't i can't i can't um preach this enough or or, or put a exclamation point enough there is too high a level of spiritual or biblical illiteracy in the church there just is we think that the word of god is just just a nice little add-on it's not it's it's everything it's it's life it's 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 If you don't have, and I'm not saying you have to understand everything. I'm not saying you have to be some theologian or become a theologian. If that's what you want, then great. But I'm talking about putting yourself in the word of God, but that we don't have time. Yes, you do. Everything in your life, you have made a priority. Everything that you're doing, you have prioritized to do. Even the things we don't like to do, we've made a priority to do. Then let's just make the word of God a priority and put some of the other junk aside. You want to walk in the freedom and the deliverance. You want to uh, keep those strongholds away and, and keep other ones from forming the Word of God. The Word of God. Can I say this again? It's the Word of God. You have to. We have to be in the Word of God. Here. Paul would write to Timothy, do your best to present yourself to God is one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed rightly handling the word of truth there are a lot of people asking a lot of questions about faith there are a lot of people um, making arguments opinions about faith the only thing that refutes that is not your wittiness not your sarcasm not your not your uh, your humor the only thing that refutes the lies of the enemy is the truth of god that is the word of god the word of god has to be a priority in our lives but Avoid a reverent babble for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. Can you imagine that that you can argue about the things of the Bible in such a way that you can you can you can put off people. They'll just walk even further away from God. That's telling me, listen, if you got the word truth, don't be a jerk. And then they're taught. Well, it spreads like gangrene. Then you have these two dudes who were just—they were talking about the resur- all the resurrection that already happened. Well, no, it didn't. And we in our modern-day society, oh my goodness, we can fight over almost anything in the church. Are we pre-millennial, post-millennial, pan-millennial? That's me. Pan. Everything pans out. Uh, you know, can you lose your salad? Are you a? Are you a, uh, a Calvinist? Are you a? Uh, what's the other one? Um, Arminian, I'm a Calminian, I kind of land in the middle like a good Baptist. So there are all of these things that we can argue about, which does no good. The world has been arguing about them forever since we had the written word. What Paul is saying, don't get caught up in stupid arguments. That that I mean that, that lead people to know I once had a, a young man come to me right before service, and this goes back a few years, and he was very concerned because he was in college, first year of college, and he's taking, I forget, a class, and they were arguing over um, young earth, old earth. And he said, well, well, what's what's the stance of our church? I said, Well, the stance of our church is what's Jesus doing in your life? He goes, he goes, no, 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 no. No, we're having this, and I need to know like like because science says this and science says that and faith says I said, okay, here's where we stand. What's Jesus doing in your life? And he became frustrated with me, and I said, You see, it's a stupid argument. Who cares? Old earth, young earth. What you should care about is God put you on the earth at a time such as this, that you would take dominion and that you would live a life worthy of the calling that's been put on your life by the the creator of the earth, whether he did it in six days or 60 million years, who cares? I know I might ruffle some feathers, but that's okay. We can be a hindrance with the word of God, or we can be an invitation with the word of God. I would encourage us to be an invitation. That doesn't mean the word of God isn't going to uh, frustrate people. Uh, the, like we talked about was it last week, that that the gospel, uh, the gospel reminds us that we're sinners. There's nothing good in us. There's nothing within us that is gonna reconcile us back to God. We are filthy, dirty with sin. And the only way to clean ourselves up with is with our faith put in Christ, period. That's it. And so the gospel is confrontational. The gospel can be painful, but let the gospel be confrontational and not your attitude. And that comes from knowing and understanding the word of God. The word of God has to be a priority in our lives. And I think the next... Well, um, let's, let me just... Paul would write this in Corinthians Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Upon your conversion, upon your receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior, with that initial filling of the Spirit, in that instance you've been changed there's this old version of you that's been put in the closet and God has created this new version of you now that old version is always trying to get its way out of the closet always trying to poke and, and prod it wants to be seen it wants to be heard but the reality of it is in that moment you were made new like brand spanking crispy fresh new and that's what god wants that's where god wants us to stay and there's these things that latch onto us i call them um soul ties this these these it it almost goes beyond a, a stronghold it's when it's when our our soul our spirit somehow has connected itself into this this dark place i think of um premarital sex as one of them as a soul tie because in the scripture it says a man woman they become one flesh well, that happens every time intimacy takes place, whether you're married or you're not. And so as you are uh, promiscuous, going against the word of God, and you're, you're engaging with other people, you are creating a soul tie. The, the Hebrew word is, is doed. It's the mingling of souls. And those soul ties have to be broken you have relationships friendships from way way back that you've grown up with these people but they're toxic and somehow you can't break away from them because there's a soul tie there there's something that goes beyond just the physical it's a spiritual connection that needs to be broken occult practices create soul ties Oh, you know, we just, we just did the Ouija board once, or, or there, there's a soul tie there. There's something that connects you deeper, deeper that has to be broken, has to be broken. I've taken couples through premarital counseling, and, and they haven't lived uh, a Christ-like life before coming together. And we have to break those soul ties. Specifically by name, breaking those soul ties because you don't want to drag those things into a new relationship. We don't want to drag those things with us that that are just that. That's one of the weights that encumbers us and keeps us lagging to where God wants us. And I think the last we'll we'll end with this. Um, it, it's 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 the battle of your mind. It's for your mind. Um, Satan. <laughs> the demons, the demonic, darkness, whatever you want to call it. There is a record, a recording that runs through each and every one of our brains. Whatever it is, you're not pretty enough, you're not tall enough, you're too short, you're God is never gonna forget that. Oh, you're not really a good look what you've done. And and these and these these records loop, these recordings loop through us. There is a battle that is raging for your mind. In fact, Paul would say this, do not be conformed to this world. It means don't get in line, don't uh, fall into the rhythms and the in the and the traditions of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. There's a renewing that needs to continually take place. And part of that process of the continual renewing of your mind is the word of God. If you are not in the Word of God, your mind is being renewed, but it's being renewed by the darkness and not the light. When we're in the Word of God, it's the process of pushing out those those old thoughts, the thoughts of darkness, the thoughts of the demonic, and bringing in the light of Christ. There is a battle going on for our minds each and every day. So set your mind on things that are above, not things on the earth I'm not sure that needs but's explanation. maybe what are the things here are those things above whatever is true whatever is honorable whatever is just whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is commendable if there is any excellence, If there is anything worthy of praise, think about those things. Whatever is true, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Whatever is honorable and just pure lovely those are the things that we need to focus our mind on that's how we begin uh continue the process of renewing our mind not not getting all caught up in the garbage of this world but bringing our thoughts upward to the things of god not getting caught on on cnn or fox news just kind of just like totally engrossed that you don't even hear the house burning down around you but we think on these things truth god's truth whatever is just the justice of god honorable things that honor things that, how can i honor these people that person how do i honor my mom every every day think about those things born again. Nicodemus had trouble with that concept, born again. We have been born again. We've been given a new leash on life, a new, new leash. new lease on life. There are freedoms that you have been set free into. I bet there's some strongholds that still need to be dealt with. But these principles are, are simple, they're basic, but they're important to maintain freedom and also to move into new freedoms. That we would consider the community of faith, church, as a priority. That we would consider God's word a priority. That we would that we would stay away from those things that entangle us back. That we would um, that we would break soul ties, those relational things that, that kind of keep us um, tampered down that we would understand there is a battle for your thoughts. And there is also freedom for your thoughts. And so, Father, I pray that the simplicity of this message would not fall on deaf ears. I pray that we would be encouraged this morning just to live in the freedom that we have, that we wouldn't get all caught up in the garbage that pulls us back into the darkness. That we as a church, the church, would stand firm knowing that we have been given authority. We have been given purpose. We are to take dominion. And we are to move light into the darkness. Help us to know who we are. Help us to understand the authority and power that's been given us. And then help us to wield it. Father, I don't want to be a weak church anymore. But a church that stands up for righteousness. And stands up with that for that righteousness with the love of God. And so thank you for all that you've given us. All that you will give us. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Have a good week. Love you. No.